I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Quetzalcoatl. And this is almost Agave Road Trip. What do you mean almost? Well, it can't be Agave Road Trip until Chava gets in the car. Sure, I get that. But he's always at least a bit late, right? That's why he asked me to fill in. I'm everywhere. All at once. Yeah, that. But we also can't start our Agave Road Trip until we fill the tank. You mean pay the bills? Right. We've got to run the commercials that help us pay for these agave road trips. Wait, people actually pay for you to advertise their products? They do. In fact, here's one now. Hey, bartender, it's that time again time for Tales of the Cocktail. Tales of the Cocktail is the world's premier cocktail festival and the biggest street show for the folks working in the hospitality industry. This year's festival runs September 19th through 23rd, and there are both virtual events and in-person events. And some of those events include your favorite Agave Road Trip hosts. Right. So we're hosting a session called How Not to Kill Your Guests, in which emergency room physician Ryan Acock offers tips on how you can keep your customers off of his gurney. In another session at Tales, one I organized with Anna Nguyen, we suggest how a business can celebrate a different community in a way that is both culturally appropriate and financially successful. It's titled An Imperfect Guide to the Art of Celebrating Cultures. And it includes Lou, which is why it's an imperfect guide, sure. as well as Maestro Eduardo Angeles of La Locura. To attend either of these sessions, register for free at talesofthecocktail.org. Once registered, you can download the app and sign up for our session which you can find easily by searching for me, Lou Bang. Or me, Salvador Peribán. Wait, Salvador? I thought your name was Chava. Okay, Lou, now you're just proving that you're imperfect at celebrating other cultures. But I'm great at celebrating tales of the cocktail. You can also find the link by going to agaveroadtrip.com and looking under our menu, Fun Stuff. And speaking of fun stuff, while you're at the Tales app, go look at the virtual Agave Road Trip Exhibitor booth. There's an opportunity for bartenders to receive a free tasting kit tied to our next Drink With Us session in October. Oh man, that's a lot, Chava. So wait, so you sign up at talesofthecocktail.org to attend our sessions, which you find by searching our names, and then you have to search for Agave Road Trip Virtual Booth to find registration for our October tasting? What? Isn't there an easier way? Sure. Just send a message to us through the contact page at chagaverroadtrip.com and we'll help you navigate all of this. That's what makes you the perfect co-pilot. All that clear navigation. And if you're hearing this after September 2021, hey, just go to agave.video to watch the archived versions of all of these sessions. But in the meantime, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirit, and rural Mexico. And today, Chava, I am coming in hot. You're usually a rather warm entity, Lou. Like, I have n- I've never seen you just being chill. Yeah, that's I wish you were more chill. I was talking about that. Yeah, that's... It's because I got a hairy bag. Oh, Lord. That keeps everything hot. Oh, Lord. Okay, that's not what I was referring to. I know. I want to talk temperature today, Chava. I want to talk temperature, and I want to help gringo bartenders think about think about the, the 
temperature at which they should be considering serving their agave spirits. Uh, they have to put it in the freezer for at least four days, then pour shots and have people drink them as fast as possible. Is that a correct answer? Well, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I think that might be one good approach. Well, that is definitely one approach, but why would you say a good approach? Well, okay, so, you know, the first time I drank um, what I would characterize as good mezcal, um, the first two times, in fact, um, it was it was at these tastings that were hosted by Ron Cooper when he was introducing Del Maguey to Chicago. Well, I mean, he had probably introduced it a decade before, but the first time that I had gone to one of those tastings was like <laughs> 2005. And... You know, he he served in these tiny little copitas, the clay copitas that you dislike so much. And he served in those, and I was like, as he was leaving, I don't dislike them. whatever. And as uh, as we were doing the tasting, based on you know how he was talking and the 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 vessel that we were drinking out of, I was taking these tiny tiny little sips, and I fell in love with it. And then and then I I bought uh, some of the bottles, of course, to drink at home. And I would pour them into my rocks glass, not understanding the significance, um, both of the shape of those little copita vessels that Ron was using, but also in how it was affecting my consumption levels. So I put it in a rocks glass and I drink it the way I drink anything in a rocks glass, whether that's water. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I couldn't drink it and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And so for the longest time, literally for probably two years... I would drop an ice cube into it. Okay, into into a little copita. No, 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 into my rocks glass full uh, of, of mezcal. Yeah, and it, you know what I found was it was easier for me to drink it that way. Now, you know, now, uh, okay, it, it was later, and I think we have this in another episode, but it was later uh, when Marco Ochoa um, led me through a tasting where he was talking about, very specifically talking about the importance mm-hmm. of those tiny sips and the smelling, and the, and it was an epiphany for me that made me realize I'd been drinking it wrong, and then once I started following his method suddenly my palate started recognizing all these complexities that when I tried to drink it the way I drink everything else out of a big old, you know, rocks glass, like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like it's the Tower of Babel and it's just everything screaming at once and you, it's overwhelming. But you put, but you take that Tower of Babel and you put an ice cube into it and it dampens, I, you know, I don't, you must understand the science of this because you're the science guy, but <laughs> hey, somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. it must dampen the um, the complexity in a way that's easier for a novice, as I was then, to consume these things. Well, actually, I'm not very informed about the, like from a scientific perspective, the differences in, in temperature, how they affect flavors. I'm pretty sure there has to be a rather elaborate group of studies behind that. Because I'm sure, like, for example, ice cream... Because there are studies behind everything. Well, yeah, but no, just imagine ice cream companies or, like, all, like the whole wine industry. Like, there's a lot of different industries that that depend on serving their products in extremely specific ranges of temperature to make them right. uh, well, appealing well, that's, to a vast majority of the public. Well, yeah, like sake... Like I know a number of places where you go and get sake, like they they always serve it hot, and then suddenly I, I, like there was this brand that was made in Portland, Oregon, or just outside of Portland, um, that I fell in love with, and it was always served really cold. And I know you know as I'm saying this, I don't know that I've ever had sake at room temperature, which is how I prefer my agave spirits because 
I I find that they are they well I think I tend to find that they're more complex uh, at room temperature. Yeah, second second wise it's it's, it's funny thing because when I was living in Tokyo it was during the winter. So I I just because it was really freaking cold, I usually tend to drink warm sake and then we used to drink in the street sake or nihonshu as we will call it and it was definitely room temperature or winter like Japanese winter room temperature uh, and it, it was pretty at like I mean, in terms of agave spirits, I think I was extremely lucky in the temperature that I that I found agave spirits. I was working in a glass studio, and they used to serve pictures of mezcal around the <laughs> kilns. So, you know, like after a few hours, that spirit was, I would say, like some good five to ten Celsius above room temperature. And I just oh, really that's a, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. That that's on the warmish uh, side of things. And I remember just being obsessed about that because in a way it exploded in my mouth. In a, huh. what I like to tell people, and I, and I might be wrong on this one actually. And you know, sometimes I say things over and over again until I actually have to think about them, and I realize sure. that they might not be accurate. But I sure. tend to say people like, "What is the temperature inside your mouth, Lou?" Like it's it's like well, thirty five, thirty two Celsius, right? Well, I I don't know that, but ninety eight point four degrees is the uh, the average human temperature, so that's something. So that's a lot warmer than room temperature. The the temperature in which you will serve. Spirits, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not today. Today it's like one hundred and one here in Chicago, but yeah, normally. <laughs> yeah, you know. So what I like to tell people, and it's that you know, if you have a high ABB spirit that it's already sort of warm. And then you throw it into a place that it's really warm, like your mouth. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of evaporation. So you're not only going to be tasting what it's touching your mouth. You're going to have all these things evaporating and going through your sinuses, skipping up through your nose. Like they're making your whole head a perception machine that a low, cold ABB spirit wouldn't be able to do. God. One of the things I get asked frequently is, where can I drink beautiful heritage agave spirits when I travel to Mexico? And so often when people ask me that question, the first part of it is, I'm going to be going to Mexico City. Where can I drink in Mexico City? Now, there are a lot of places that I like to drink in Mexico City. And I have a lot of friends in Mexico City um, who will invite me to their houses to drink the beautiful spirits that they pick up from random communities that they have visited. But now, my podcast co-host, Chava Peribon, has actually set himself up in the Zocalo, the primary Zocalo in Mexico City, in this beautiful centuries-old house where he's offering textiles and ceramics, but also offering private tastings for agave spirits nerds. If you're interested in doing a tasting with Chava Peribon, who leads amazing tastings but records horrible ads... Phew! Go to Seminario12.com. That's S-E-M-I-N-A-R-I-O-1-2.com. Or go to Instagram at Seminario12. Send them a message. Tell them when you're coming, and you're going to have the tasting of your life. God. Or even the room temperature. And you know, and this also reminds me, God, this also reminds me of the many, many, many trips that we have taken <laughs> where we are blessed to be able to taste things as they're coming out of the still, which oh, also Lord. has to be well above room temperature. But you know, this this makes me oh, you're gonna love this, Chava. This is total <laughs> oh, yes. this is total Chava land. 
Like <laughs> we always talk about these side by side tasting these flights. Oh yes, yes. You, yes yeah. Yes, like I, where is that? Where's the cold room temperature? Like cold, warm, hot um, flight of the exact same spirit? I I think it will be. And because I've done it this uh, without meaning to, again, in the glass studio, you know, when you started drinking the, the spirit, it was definitely room temperature. And then a few hours later, it was rather warm. And you're also a little bit drunker when you get to the warm point. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I just but remember if, loving it with a passion. But if you set those, like if you set it up where you're like, literally, it's the exact yeah. same time. I think that might. God. So I, so I guess, are we going to come to a conclusion around this for the gringo bartenders? What they should do? Yeah, well. Because I think what they should do is wait for us to come in and serve us that particular flight. <laughs> I want that flight now. Well, what happens though, and, and I'm, I'm just going to go back to, to Tokyo for a second as well. You know, when I used to go, where you will get the warmest sake, like the super, like uh, there was this place we used to call the crazy Chinese, which was, uh, so there was this place where we had, uh, we met this group of hip hoppers and they will take us to this place they call the crazy Chinese. And it was, uh, it was not a Chinese restaurant. It was a very Japanese restaurant. Uh, but they will serve extremely warm, full to the brim glasses of sake, but they were a lot warmer than usual. So that was the warmest sake hmm. I ever tried. And then once my most expensive meal in Tokyo, I also got some of the warmest sake. And I got a really weird thing that supposedly is very common. Uh, you know what sochu is? It's, it's a distilled sure. spirit of... Uh, it's, the, it's the most consumed spirit in the world, No, sochu. that's soju. That's soju. Soju, soju is Korean. Soju is Japanese. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, anyways, they have a way of preparing it with hot water in the winter. So you will pour yourself half a glass of something that is around 35 ABB, and then you will do the other half of the glass with hot water in order to appreciate a lot of the complexities of the spirit. So I, you know, like, I'm saying all of this because I think that telling a customer, hey, are you interested in warm mezcal? It's not the sexiest thing that you can say, but if you can make some comparisons with the Japanese tradition of accessing spirits and fermented uh, drinks, you know, maybe that's the route where you can spark people's interest. Well, yeah, maybe, but I would also say, you know, <laughs> I, I live in a city where we're getting to 40 degrees below zero in winter. I don't think it's so crazy to suggest to somebody here in Chicago, hey, you want me to heat up that mezcal for you? Oh. I don't think that's so crazy. Okay, we're doing this side-by-side -side temperature tasting, and then we're doing an only warm mezcal tasting. And everybody has to prove with a, with a thermometer on their hands that the spirits are warm, <laughs> otherwise they're not invited. <laughs> Deal. Okay, so, you know, I think, I, think, I think we've given gringo bartenders something to think about. Yeah. And why don't you, because, you know, science guy, why don't you do a little research for once and uh, see if you can find some studies that talk about how temperature can affect the uh, the, the compounds that produce flavors and aromas in food. Um, and if we can find some, by we, I mean you, uh, then we'll we'll add that to the episode notes for this, for this episode. I'm, I'm going to end up in ice cream journals for a few weeks. I'm going to hate your ass, but sure, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Hasta pronto. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.